Welcome to the ITE Talks Transportation Podcast from the Institute of Transportation Engineers. Each month, we'll bring you conversations with thought leaders in transportation on the future of the industry. for joining us for another episode of the ITE Talks Transportation Podcast. I'm your host, Bernie Wagenblast. Our guest this month is Rob McInerney. He's the CEO of the International Road Assessment Program, also known as IRAP. We're going to be talking today about road safety from a global perspective, as well as rural road safety. Rob, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Bernie. Great to be joining you and all the ITE community. Before we really get into some of the questions I wanted to ask, I wanted to, for those folks who aren't familiar with IRAP, the International Road Assessment Program, give them a little bit of background. Tell us a bit about what IRAP is and how USRAP figures into IRAP, if you would, please. IRAP is a registered charity, and our vision is very simple. It's for a a world free of high-risk roads. And we began looking at the success that the vehicle star rating programs were having, like the ones run by NHTSA there in the US and and worldwide by the new car assessment programs, and said, can we do for road infrastructure what those star rating programs had basically achieved for vehicle safety? And so from day one, it was all about partnerships. We were working with the road agencies, the researchers, civil society, the industry bodies like ITE to develop the models and the tools to show how safe a road is and, more importantly, the the benefits of making it safer. And so because we're set up as a charity, all of those tools are there for, for governments and road owners to make better decisions. And importantly, build that business case for proactive investment to reduce the horrible and tragic level of road death and injury on our roads. And so from those very beginnings, we now have partnerships in over 100 countries worldwide. We've seen more than 3 million kilometres assessed with our risk mapping, star ratings and the investment planning tools. And we've seen more than 80 billion US dollars of road investment has been made safer. We're saving hundreds of thousands of lives around the world, Bernie, and I mean, that's what it's all about. And at the core, everyone's using the same tools, but also everyone contributes to the the innovation and the new tools for the future. So, for example, if, if one of the partners there in the USA needs something and helps make it better, it's certain others around the world will benefit. And likewise, if someone in Europe or Australia or Brazil comes up with something clever, then it's immediately available for all our partners worldwide for the mutual benefit of everyone. And so it's a really great positive sharing environment where we're all committed to that same vision of a world free of high-risk roads. And sort of coming to your question about US RAP, really in, in every country we encourage local leadership and, and oversight of the program. So it's a really inclusive approach. So all of you in the US can view US RAP as as your program. 
It's hosted by the Roadway Safety Foundation in DC, who then work with FHWA, the state DOTs, the research bodies and universities, the counties, to ultimately build capacity to undertake these assessments and then ultimately see those upgraded roads right across the US as well. You mentioned the great work that IRAP has done and the hundreds of thousands of lives that it saved. Unfortunately, though, there are still thousands and thousands of people who are dying on the roads. Here in the US in 2021, we had 42,915 fatalities, which was the highest number that we've seen in America in 16 years. I'm curious, is this trend also being seen on a global basis and are other developed countries, such as Australia, seeing similar trends? Yeah, look, it's so sad, Bernie, isn't it, to see that increase in in people dying in the US. And, And I must say that that's off an already very high base there, where the death rate in the US was already three times greater than the leading countries in the world. But as you said, in 2020, as the lockdowns and and other impacts of COVID took hold, a recent OECD report found that in general, where there were these lockdowns, they saw traffic volumes drop by around 5 to 20%. And in their analysis of around 34 countries, there was an 8.6% decrease in road deaths in 2020. Uh, so that was really as COVID was rolling out around the world in a in a big way and the restrictions were also taking hold. But in 2021 and 2022, as travel has returned, the picture globally is similar to the US. We saw a small increase in road deaths here in Australia in 2021. But sadly, so far in 2022, the numbers of people killed has increased by 10 to 20% nationwide. Mm. And we're seeing some states where the numbers killed has doubled in 2022 versus 2021. This is just horrific and a real alarm for the world to wake up to. And importantly, in addition to the tragic loss of life, we're also seeing huge increases in the life-changing injuries. And that's been happening over a long period of time. It's just these numbers are a a little bit invisible. Brain injuries, quadriplegias, limb fractures, degloving, these sort of life-changing injuries and all of their associated costs and the demand they create and put on the health system, they've been going up for a long period of time and they are still going up. And in 2022, we're seeing further increases. And already it's more than 100,000 people a day suffer these life-changing injuries on the world's roads. And look, I think one thing just to, for the listeners today is I really encourage everyone to look forwards. Yes, these annual numbers are bad, but where is your opportunity to make a difference? So if you think about it, in the next 10 years in the US, 400,000 of your citizens are going to be killed on the roads that you manage. More than 5 million will be injured. A lot more than 5 million will be injured. And and our industry just can't let that happen. With technology improving, uh, vehicle safety improving, COVID lockdowns pretty much being lifted around the world, what do you attribute this increase, this dramatic increase 
in the number of serious injuries and deaths on the roadways? It's a really interesting question, and a lot of people are looking at it. Obviously, it's a, a fairly multifaceted solution or, or explanation as to why that's happening. From my perspective, I think there's a few things that happen. Number one, during COVID, we ended up with these less travel. But what was happening is people were travelling faster because there was less congestion. The other thing that happened is people moved out of public transport and started cycling and walking more. All of us were doing that. Mm -hmm. And so what we ended up with was our urban environments had higher speed traffic and a lot more vulnerable road users. And that led to just roads that aren't built for pedestrians and cyclists and seeing with these higher speeds of traffic, more people killed and injured. We've also seen a real spike in home delivery services mm -hmm. that are typically in often less safe vehicles. And so we're seeing these extra kilometres of travel that's tied with the delivery industries and that's making a difference. The other one, certainly in Australia, a lot of the police resources were diverted to closing borders and, and looking after the COVID response. So what they weren't doing was making sure that drink driving wasn't happening and speeding and seatbelts and all those other critical road user parts of the safe system weren't being addressed. And so you put all of that together, people have become apathetic and we haven't rebooted the mindset of everyone to this change. So we end up with higher speed traffic, more vulnerable users, less enforcement and the road infrastructure that is still, in many cases, one or two staff for pedestrians and on our rural highways, one and two staff for vehicle occupants there as well. So all of those things factor together and see that we are still not doing enough to make this trend go down and ultimately hit zero. We'll continue our conversation with Rob McInerney, the CEO of IREP, and discuss the high-level United Nations meeting on global road safety right after this brief message. Do you want to reach more than 16,000 transportation professionals? Podcasts like this one are a great way to reach a dedicated audience of listeners. Sponsoring an ITE podcast is a cost-effective way to gain exposure and build brand awareness. ITE offers podcasts on key issues like mobility as a service, safety, connected and automated vehicles, and transportation systems management and operations, ensuring your message is heard by the right people. For more information, contact Tima Good at tima.good at the YGS Group. Dot com. That's T-I-M-A dot G-O-O-D at the YGS group dot com. We're recording this conversation at the end of June in 2022. And at Ooh. this time, you are getting ready to attend the United Nations high-level meeting on global road safety. If you would, Rob, could you outline for us some of the goals of the UN's decade of action when it comes to traffic safety and how these goals relate to Vision Zero and the safe system approach. Yeah, absolutely. Look, at the global level, there is one thing that unites all of us worldwide is every one of us has a unacceptable level of road trauma on our roads. And at the global level, all United Nations member states have set the goal as part of the sustainable development goals to halve road deaths and injuries by 2030. And there's also another goal, 11.2, which is to create safe and sustainable cities. 
So this is at the highest level worldwide that road safety is embedded in the sustainable development goals and has a lot of political visibility. With the death and injury rates going up, that means we have to do something drastically different to reach those goals. And transportation engineers need to be proactive and front and centre of that change. And at the global level, they've agreed on 12 global road safety performance targets that have been agreed by all the member states. And in terms of the two targets that are most relevant to transportation engineers, they're quite simple. One is target three, for all new roads to be built to a three-star or better standard for all road users. Simple. Make sure we're not building any brand new one or two-star roads. And target four, which is to make sure that 75% of travel for each road user is on that same equivalent three-star or better standard. So picture, 75% of travel for pedestrians will be in our CBD areas, near our universities, around the schools, around our sporting precincts. Let's make that three-star or better. Three-star or better for cyclists will be on a different network. Three-star or better for motorcyclists and three-star or better for vehicle occupants will be on different parts of the network. But they'll actually be quite short lengths. Now, what we found is typically 75% of travel happens on around 5 to 10% of the road length. So a very achievable part of the network to hit first. And so that's the 2030 targets that have been built into the global plan. And the global plan for the decade of action for road safety between now and 2030, it covers all of the safe system aspects that ITE has been so good leading on. And that's transportation planning and management. It's the road infrastructure we've just been talking about. It's the safe road users, safe vehicles, and the better post-crash care. So it's essentially outlining all of the safe system elements into a global plan to provide the recipe for success for every country. And so coming to your your other part about Vision Zero, if you think if we are to get to zero road deaths and injuries, we first have to halve road deaths and injuries. And that is the target by 2030, that we should have halved road deaths and injuries by 2030. And if we can do that, we're well on the way to zero. And that'll ultimately happen street by street, highway by highway. So what I would encourage as part of your 2030 plans is let's aim for vision zero in city centres and vision zero on the interstate by 2030. Mm-hmm. Then vision zero for rural highways and urban arterials by 2040. Then every road and street by 2050. And and wouldn't that be great if we can make that happen? You talked earlier about vulnerable road users, bicyclists, pedestrians, and we've talked primarily about urban roadways, but a large portion of the fatalities involve rural run-off-the-road crashes. How can the safe system approach be applied in rural settings? Yeah, that's a great question and a big challenge, particularly on the lower volume rural roads. But it's also a fairly simple problem because in our rural highways, people are killed or injured in three main crash types. As you said, they die in 
roadway departure crashes, hitting trees, poles, rolling down embankments, or they die in head-on crashes as two high-speed vehicles, which at the moment are only separated by a small bit of white paint, hit each other, or they die at intersections. So on our rural highways, we actually have the risk of death and injury built in to our roads. On a rural road that's undivided, trees along the road, at great intersections with no turning provision, and let's say 60 miles per hour, that is a one-star road. That has certain death and injury built into that road. We've actually designed death into that road. And so to apply the safe system in that context, we just have to look ultimately at all aspects of the system, the vehicles, the road users, the road infrastructure, and most importantly, the speed that people travel. So if I start with that road infrastructure element that, that we can influence, within the IRAP assessments, we measure all the road features that matter for those three main crash types. So for agencies that do not currently know what percent of travel they have on dangerous undivided roads, or what percent of travel they have on roads with dangerous roadsides, or on sharp curves, all that information becomes visible. And if you can measure it, you can manage it. And we can also build in the economics of the upgrades. If it's currently one star, we can see what impact roadside barriers or clearing vegetation or adding wider shoulders or rumble strips or wide centre lines to separate the head-on traffic or intersection turning lanes, all the treatments you already know how to apply, but we can confirm where that's economic to be put in and that it will reach the three-star or better global standard. And that's a great starting point. The next bit is what happens if we were willing to reduce speeds to 50 miles an hour? We're probably hitting four-star. We would sort of halve the levels of death and injury again. And then take that total safe system perspective. What about these enforcement levels? As we were talking about before about the spike with COVID is have the enforcement levels changed for speeding and drink and drug driving on our rural highways? What can we do to bring road use within that safe system envelope and then continue to work on the safer vehicles as well. The numbers that we talked about during this program could certainly be rather depressing to a listener and say, wow, these trends are going in the wrong direction. Things are not looking good. But in the face of those numbers, both globally and in the United States, what gives you hope that we can reverse these current trends and reduce these staggering and unacceptable losses that we're having on our roads. Yeah, well, Bernie, as you mentioned at the beginning, I'm I'm an Aussie, um, so I'm always <laughs> positive. And uh, but also, as an engineer, I know how clever we are as an industry, and how good we are at problem solving. But what I'd say is, I don't think we've ever been given the problem to build a road that does not kill anyone. I don't think we've ever been given that problem. In all my engineering at university and in road design, I never use the formula E equals a half MV squared. <laughs> we use these really big formulas, but not a half MV squared. 
that energy that describes the mismatch of energy in our road system that actually leads to the death and injury of so many. And so with Vision Zero and safe system thinking, that's exactly what we're being asked to make happen. No longer designing to standards where high-speed roads, where pedestrians and cyclists are is acceptable, or where we can have these undivided roads with dangerous roadsides, or where we can build and still build brand new one-star roads. Rather than designing to these standards, we can design to outcomes, where we start with the design that will not kill anyone and justify any elements we leave out of the design. Rather than what happens now, where we design to standards and then have to justify the safety inclusions. So that shift to designing to outcomes can really mobilise this change that we need to happen. And so the reason I'm positive is because at the national and global level, we are organised. We have the UN high-level meeting that reinforces the support of world leaders to tackle road trauma. And I know President Biden had a little bicycle crash the other day as well that probably many of you saw. But we have an understanding that this is there in every day, it's impacting every country, and we have a better understanding of the costs of this brain injury, of quadriplegia, of spinal injuries, of limb fractures that are happening each and every day. And then we have the tools and the systems like IRAP and USRAP that are ready to be deployed on scale. So we're organised, we've got the tools and systems, and then you come back to the next important part, which is all of your listeners. We have passionate professionals like the ITE community that are ready to be the heroes of this road trauma pandemic. And if we can do that, together we can save millions of lives. Well, on that note, we're going to wrap things up. We'll certainly look forward to hearing what takes place at the UN high-level meeting that's going to be taking place in early July in New York City. And we've been talking on this edition of ITE Talks Transportation with Rob McInerney. He is the Chief Executive Officer of the International Road Assessment Program, also known as IRAP. Rob, thanks so much for taking the time out to chat with us and all the best on your trip to the U.S. and at that U.N. high-level meeting. Fantastic, Bernie. My pleasure and great to join you today.